This is a private pipeline, and the taxpayers of Coquitlam shouldn't be subsidizing it. Coquitlam's fight with Fortis and the construction that will snarl traffic. They're giving first, second, and third place prizes. You can kill as many as you want. Controversy over hunting contests underway in B.C. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. A tragic scene outside the capital of Ethiopia after Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 carrying 157 people, including Canadians, crashed minutes after takeoff, killing everyone on board. The airline saying a distress call was made before the Boeing 737 MAX 8 disappeared from radar. Good evening and thanks for joining us this Sunday. 18 Canadians are among 35 different nationalities confirmed to have died in the accident. Tanya Beja has more on who some of those Canadian victims were and how the local Ethiopian community is coping. Across the country, Canadians are gathering in prayer and mourning. It's a nightmare. That is why I'm so emotional about it because it could be me, it could be my family, it could be anybody else who I know. At New Westminster's Ethiopian Orthodox Church, members shocked by the fatal crash of Ethiopian Airlines Flight ET-302. We felt very sad about that and we feel sorry for the families and the loss uh, of uh, loved ones. I'm crying about them. I don't know them, but I'm feeling they're human beings. All 157 people on board died when the Boeing 737 MAX 8 plummeted just minutes after takeoff. The plane was en route to Nairobi, Kenya from Addis Ababa. The pilot uh, mentioned uh, that he had uh, difficulty and he wants to return. So he was given clearance. Among the victims, 18 Canadians, including Carleton University professor Pius Adesanmi and Calgary resident Derek Luigi. 33-year-old Amina Odoa of Edmonton and her five-year-old daughter Sophia Abdul-Qadir also died in the crash. She was really nice, very, very friendly. Had a lot of friends. Everybody knows her in Edmonton. She took care of her daughters. She taught them very well. It was also a Boeing 737 MAX 8 that crashed in Indonesia last October, just 11 minutes after takeoff. The model has been in commercial use since 2017. Air Canada operates 24, WestJet 13, and says it's monitoring the situation. It's like any other airplane. Uh, If there is a problem discovered, I'm sure the airplanes will be grounded until the problem can be fixed immediately before they're allowed to fly again. Investigators are still searching for the black box data recorder, hoping it will offer clues about the cause of the tragedy. Tanya Beja, Global News. In a tweet, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres confirmed UN staff were on board the plane since a UN environmental conference is set to begin in Nairobi tomorrow. Meantime, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has expressed his condolences. And Foreign Affairs Minister Christian Freeland says they're working with Ethiopian agencies to ensure support is given to the affected Canadian families. And Boeing issued a statement extending their sympathies and saying a technical team is prepared to provide assistance at the request of the U.S. National Transportation Safety Board. As Tanya mentioned, this is the second crash involving a Boeing 737 MAX 8 in just five months. NBC's Tom Costello has more on that part of the story. 
This is a brand new state-of-the-art plane, but we don't know whether these two crashes are related. We're talking, of course, about the Lion Air crash last October off Indonesia. Investigators believe that the onboard sensors fed bad data to the computers on that plane. Sensing a stall, the computers then pushed the nose down to pick up airspeed. The pilots struggled to pull the nose up, but may not have known they were fighting a new automated anti-stall system called MCAS that Boeing never told pilots about. Boeing insists the Lion Air pilots should have known how to disengage the system. So the priority in Ethiopia now is to find the plane's black boxes, listen to the cockpit voice recorder, analyze the flight data recorder. Are there similarities with Lion Air or something else, like an onboard explosion or a fire? Maybe a, a problem with an engine, an electrical or hydraulic issue, or maybe even a computer failure. It is a high priority because the 737 MAX is one of the best-selling planes in the world right now. 350 are right now in service. America American Southwest United and Air Canada all fly it. So far, none of them have reported any problem. Turning to other news tonight, and the homicide team is investigating after a man was gunned down in Chilliwack. It happened just after 6.30 this morning. The man in his 30s was found with gunshot wounds on Alexander Avenue near Yale Road. He died on scene. The victim is known to police who believe the fatal shooting was targeted. No arrests have been made. Anyone with information is asked to call RCMP or Crime Stoppers. The homicide comes nine days after 42-year-old Christine Denham died of her injuries after another shooting in the city, which investigators also say was not random. And RCMP in Williams Lake are asking for your help in a suspicious death investigation. Around 7 o'clock Saturday morning, a man was found dead in a parking lot between Savon Foods and the Sandman Hotel. Anyone who saw something unusual in the area of 7th Avenue North between 5 p.m. on Friday, March 8th and 7 a.m. on Saturday is asked to contact Williams Lake RCMP or Crime Stoppers. A potential traffic headache is set to begin for commuters in the Tri-Cities starting tomorrow. Fortis crews begin work on Como Lake Avenue to replace a gas pipe, leading to lane closures that will last for months. As Grace Key reports, that work is already the focus of a dispute between Fortis and the city of Coquitlam. While commuters in Coquitlam get ready for traffic disruptions on Monday, the city's battle with Fortis, B.C. could be taking a legal turn. We're going to have to pursue trespass against Fortis, B.C. if you're going to leave your garbage behind. We just don't have any room left for you to store your old pipe and to have your new pipe at the same time. Construction will be starting at the intersection of Como Lake Avenue and North Road, but Mayor Richard Stewart says his roads will be left in worse shape, leaving taxpayers to subsidize the project. Pave a brand new road and it's good for 40 years. The moment you start to cut it, you're constantly doing maintenance of the cuts. So our hope is that Fortis would actually put the road back the way it was. Fortis, B.C. says they've heard from the community and people want the construction project to be done as soon as possible, adding removing the pipeline would go above and beyond what they do in other municipalities. If a project comes into place and they need to dig up the road and put, a say, a gas line into the road, we will remove our existing gas line at that time. So we, are, we maintain responsibility for it for the entire life of the pipeline. The city has filed a submission to the BC Utilities Commission requesting it to order Fortis, BC to first remove the old gas line, then repave Como Lake Avenue curb to curb. If the decision isn't in the city's favor, the mayor is willing to take legal action. Grace Key, Global News.
The city of White Rock has issued a request for proposals to reconstruct the storm-damaged pier. Proponents have until March 19th to submit plans. Last December's powerful windstorm split the city's iconic pier in two. The cost to fix the partially collapsed landmark is estimated at between 14 to 16 million dollars, nearly triple the original estimate. The successful contractor will begin work in early April and must finish repairs before July 31st. The pier's new structural system will allow for the possibility to raise the deck in the future to accommodate sea level rise. It has been a beautiful weekend across the south coast, but there could be a return to winter weather tomorrow. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell is here now. Say it ain't so, Yvonne. Yeah, a little bit of a blip in the forecast, so a heads up, especially for many areas across the southern half of the province. We've been tracking a cold front. It's already brought a significant amount of snow along the north coast, inland areas. For example, Stewart, up to 25 centimeters and counting. You'll continue to see the snowfall all the way in towards your Monday morning. Now, this frontal system, as it pushes across the south coast, the timing of it. Late t- tomorrow morning, we'll start to see the moisture pushing in. It'll fall as rain for many areas very heavy for western sections of Vancouver Island, areas near Tofino, 30 and up to 50 millimeters expected. And then by the afternoon, it moves across Metro Vancouver and we're keeping a close eye. Temperatures are going to drop off for the afternoon, so it'll start off as rain, but we could see wet snow, especially for higher elevations. Most areas, though, along the water should stay as rain, but it'll be eastern areas and then stretching into the Fraser Valley. We will continue to watch it, but it'll be late in the day for tomorrow, continuing towards the evening, and then a nice break once again on our Tuesday. I'll have more coming up with the watches and warnings that are in effect too. Jordan? All right. See you in a few. Thanks, Yvonne. Environmentalists are speaking out tonight, outraged over a number of hunting contests being held this month. Paul Johnson has more on the legal but controversial hunts, including what hunters have to say. And we do want to warn you, the following story includes disturbing images. Who doesn't get a shiver when you hear this call of the wild? Whatever you may think about hunting policy in B.C., chances are you'll have an opinion about this. The wolf-whacking contest, currently underway in Williams Lake. 20 bucks to enter, and whoever gets the most wolves wins. If you're in the Kootenays right now, you can compete in the Predator Tournament advertised by the Creston Valley Rod and Gun Club. You get three points for every wolf you kill, three points for a cougar, two for a coyote, and one for a raccoon. And it's all totally legit under current provincial law. They're giving first, second, and third place prizes. You can kill as many as you want, and you're actually rewarded for killing more. Charlotte Daw is a campaigner with the Wilderness Committee one of 47 groups and individuals petitioning Victoria to ban sport hunting contests. Even though they're legal, Daw and other signatories believe it's not an ethical way of managing predator populations, particularly wolves. So to believe that this is an unbiased, uh, science-based predator removal program is just, uh, it's not true. Chilcotin Guns in Williams Lake was the store associated with the wolf-whacking contest. Neither they nor the other contest groups had anyone available to speak on camera about this story. But I did speak to some of these hunters on the phone who say these critics usually don't live there and may not know how these wolf populations have grown and are threatening other animals. The government, though, did respond Sunday saying while they don't condone these types of events, there are no rules preventing them, 
and they believe wolf populations are healthy. When this gets out and goes on to social media. Getting his boat ready for another season of ecotourism off the Great Bear Rainforest. Eric Boyum says BC's image as a supernatural destination for wildlife viewing is tarnished when people learn there is still substantial hunting going on here for reasons other than food. They're killing for the sport of it, which, like I said earlier, in today's day and age, that's abhorrent. Paul Johnson, Global News. Firefighters with the District of North Vancouver carried out a late-night rescue on Mount Seymour. They tweeted photos this morning showing the rescue taking place. They say firefighters carried an injured and cold overnight camper from the group campsite on Mount Seymour to an ambulance. And welcome back to the News Hour. Another earthquake rocked west-central Alberta this morning. Natural Resources Canada says the 4.3 magnitude quake happened just north of Rocky Mountain House at around 4 o'clock this morning. That's about 100 kilometers northwest of the earthquake that shook Sylvan Lake. Residents awake nearly a week ago. Experts suggest fracking could be the cause of the first quake. Vesta Energy has since shut down their fracking activity near Sylvan Lake. No word yet if it played a role in today's tremors. Salmon Arm is now home to the first private licensed pot shop in the Shoe Swap. Green Canoe Cannabis is one of only 14 private legal marijuana retail stores in B.C. And as Megan Turcato reports, it's been a long haul to get the doors open. Looking for like a really strong sativa? The first legal cannabis store in the Shushwamp welcomed its first customers Sunday morning. So excited. I actually wasn't expecting it to be open, but um, I stopped by and here it is. People are very excited. We've had people knocking at the door uh, for the last uh, week trying to, trying to see if we're open. And uh, they've been coming back almost every day. Uh, and uh, we're finally able to let them in. It was a day a long time in the making. The owner says he started the licensing process roughly six months ago. The shop was given the green light by the province after an inspection two weeks ago. Uh, very excited. It's been a, a long, long process, a lot of work. Yeah, we've been working morning to night to get our store open and uh, we finally, finally are here. So. And although the business wasn't able to order all the stock it hoped to have on hand for opening day, the stream of customers didn't seem to have problems finding something to buy. They have the ability to buy what they can buy and have access to what they can have access to. As things start to open up, I'm sure their selection will open up. And But right now, I think it's cool. Like It's a really good opportunity for a small community like Canoe. The shop is one of only 14 private cannabis stores who have been granted a provincial license to operate in B.C. I think everybody from Canoe has been waiting for it to open. Like We've all been really excited and it's, it's great to see it in a small community like Canoe. The fact that they're one of the first out here that's opened is, I think, quite significant. So far, it's the only provincially licensed pot shop in the shoe shop. Very surprised that actually we were the first to, to be approved, but it was a bit of a race, so we get a little bit of bragging rights to be the first to open, so we're happy for that. But the shop surely won't be the last. The province has received more than 400 applications for private marijuana shops around BC. Megan Turcato, Global News, Salmon Arm. A star-studded attendance at day two of the Rugby Sevens tournament at BC Place. Actor Jason Momoa in the stands, supporting the All Blacks, hanging out with some Rugby Canada alumni as well as a familiar face, 
Lynn Collier sitting in the corner there. The Aquaman star is in town filming a new sci-fi TV series and has been spotted in several lower mainland hotspots in recent weeks. Barry and Yvonne, join us now. You're going to have a lot more from Rugby Sevens. Yeah, Canada up. had a great weekend. You know, it wasn't they didn't win the whole thing, but uh, they were played some of their best rugby of the year, and thanks to that crowd and to Aquaman. I mean, of course, be pumped up with a superhero uh, watching you. Good stuff. And weather, lots to talk about. A change you were saying maybe on the way, but first, as we know, we. Sprung ahead last <laughs> night, but nice to gain that extra sunshine. Absolutely. Uh, the sunset officially this evening will be just after 7 at 7.08. And let's take a glance at what it looks like outside there this evening. So I hope you got out and enjoyed it today. We'll have a very different weather picture for tomorrow. We're advertising the potential to see rain mixed with wet snow for many areas. And we do still have a significant amount of snow uh, for the northern and central half of the province. And if you're traveling along the mountain passes, I'll have the timing of that and what we can anticipate in some of the amounts coming up over the next 48 hours, so that coming up very shortly. So when is sunset now, roughly? 708. 708. 708, okay. so it's nice. It does. It's starting to feel more lead. like spring. Yes. The, the wet Finally. flurries, we've had enough. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Especially those <laughs> folks let up Mother on the yeah. 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 yeah, I'll, pu- I'll, I'll put, put that in a word. In the suggestion book. <laughs> I will word. put in that. I'll put in a word for you. <laughs> South Dakota is poised to approve laws aimed at discouraging potential protests against the planned Keystone XL pipeline. The Republican governor's bill would require pipeline companies help pay extraordinary expenses, such as the cost of policing during protests. It would also aim to pursue money from demonstrators who encourage violence during a riot. The goal is to prevent protests, like those demonstrations against the Dakota Access Pipeline, which cost nearly $40 million and led to hundreds of arrests. But Native American tribes say they weren't consulted on the measures. And Democrats say it will be challenged in court. The 1,900-kilometer-long pipeline is intended to ship up to 830,000 barrels a day of Canadian crude through Montana and South Dakota to Nebraska. The U.S. president not giving up on his border wall. Tomorrow, Donald Trump will release his 2020 budget, which includes another $8.6 million in funding for the wall. But as NBC's Jennifer Johnson reports, Democrats say the strategy won't work and could set up the potential for another government shutdown. President Trump ramping up the border wall battle again. In his 2020 budget to be released Monday, the president will ask for another $8.6 billion for the wall. The White House forging ahead to build 722 miles of barrier. The whole issue of the wall and border security is of paramount importance. We have a crisis down there. I think the president has made that case very effectively. The budget has to be funded before October 1st, or the government could shut down again. Democratic leaders say the president's funding plan could already be dead on arrival. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer warning the president in a statement Sunday, the same thing will repeat itself if he tries this again. We hope he learned his lesson. The last government shutdown cost the U.S. economy $11 billion. The funding increase for the wall comes as the Senate this week is likely to join the House in rejecting the president's emergency declaration. Even some Republicans say there is a better approach. You can put what I call the smart wall Mm -hmm. along the border on all 2,000 miles in less than a year and gain operational control of the border. The president's proposed budget includes stiff cuts to domestic, anti-poverty and environmental protection programs. Jennifer Johnson, NBC News, Washington. A plane crashed in Colombia today, killing 14 people. The DC-3 aircraft sent out a distress call before it went down late yesterday morning, midway through its flight from a southern city to central Colombia. 
There were no survivors. The country's president sent his condolences to the families of the victims. And nearly 30 people were hurt when a Turkish Airlines flight from Istanbul to New York City hit severe turbulence over the Atlantic yesterday. About 45 minutes before landing at JFK Airport, the turbulence tossed some people into the air. A flight attendant broke a leg. 28 others were taken to hospital with bumps, bruises and cuts. There were 326 passengers and 18 crew members on board the Boeing 777. Fifteen people are dead after a nightclub shooting in Mexico. Local media report that a group of armed men pulled up in three vans before sunrise at a men's club. Thirteen men were found dead inside. Another two died after being taken to hospital. The crime is still under investigation. A woman had to be rushed to hospital after being attacked by a jaguar at a zoo in Arizona last night. You can see a woman on the ground surrounded by a few people in this video. Officials say the woman, who's in her 30s, tried to take a selfie near the fence of the jaguar enclosure. That's when the animal reached out and attacked her arm. They say the jaguar was never out of its enclosure. The zoo also says the animal will not be euthanized. In response to the incident, the woman will be okay. People do not respect the barriers. There's always a chance that there might be a problem. People living in the southern U.S. are cleaning up tonight after 10 tornadoes tore through five states this weekend, causing widespread devastation and injuries. In the spectrum of things southerners needed to see this weekend, this was dead last. One week after the worst outbreak of tornadoes in years blasted the South, killing 23 in Alabama. Saturday, twisters raged again. 10 were reported from Texas to Tennessee, Mississippi to Louisiana, where four were spotted, causing widespread damage. I've been here off and on for 70, 81 years, and I've never seen anything like this. In Arkansas, three touched down, one destroying this home, injuring two inside, both expected to recover. But I don't even know what I'm looking at here, Gary. This whole, this, this whole, everything is gone, right? All the yeah. walls. Here's the beams, these, yeah. the red iron beams, and uh, it just more or less collapsed on everything. Across town, Gary Downs is learning what's important after his soybean farm's storage shop was shredded. It won't take long to redo it. We'll be right back where we were. Now, cleanup. Families sifting through the wreckage, searching for anything that could be salvageable. The damage here, widespread, but they're thankful it wasn't far worse. Perspective from the heartland. Won't even know what happened a few months from now. After so much loss. Steve Patterson, NBC News, Scott, Arkansas. A bank heist southwest of Edmonton has residents scratching their heads. Police say the suspects made off with a safe containing cash. But it's how they got the safe out that's grabbing the attention. This isn't a building under renovation. It's a site of a bank robbery here in Winfield on Friday in the early morning hours. The suspects going to extraordinary lengths to get inside. RCMP say two male suspects used a stolen picker truck to break through the front wall of the ATB branch at about 3.30. They then used the picker truck to pull the safe out of the wall, causing major damage to the building. Police say the suspects made off with the safe and its contents, which included cash. Residents I talked to say crime isn't uncommon here. One man told me when he heard about the robbery, he was more disappointed than surprised. 
Well, it makes a person uneasy to see what uh, what lengths people will go to to uh, do something like this. If they got anything uh, of value, uh, but it's a destruction that uh, when I see, uh, it's pure destructive. Police say the two suspects used a black Dodge Ram and a dark colored GMC pickup truck to get away. Global News reached out to ATB, but the company declined comment. The incident remains under investigation. In Winfield, Albert Delatala, Global News. And check out a new crime-fighting tactic in England. Security footage shows a pair of burglars last month as they smashed their way into a building that housed an electronic gaming machine. Everything seems to be going as planned until the machine begins to spew smoke. It quickly fills the room, forcing the would-be thieves to leave empty-handed. The local police say the community has been investing in crime prevention equipment for quite some time. Something to make you smile now, we hope. Three red panda cubs have been introduced to the public at a Sydney zoo. They were born in December, and the two males and one female finally ventured out of their nest box in the past few days. There are fewer than 10,000 remaining in the wild. Keepers expect that over the next 10 to 12 weeks, the cubs will start to sample solid foods such as bamboo, venturing outside more often and learning to climb trees. A little boy in a small Colorado town just wanted to have a snowball fight. But in the community of Severance, it was illegal. So nine-year-old Dane Best did a grown-up thing. He asked the town to do away with the century-old law. And Severance listened. Now Best is no longer considered an outlaw in the snow. He celebrated his victory with a snowball fight with his brother and friends. And now his story has really snowballed with movie producers in touch with the family. Oh, Vaughn, I was hoping we'd be done with snowball fights around (laughs) here, but maybe not. Not yet. Uh, Depending on where you are across Metro Vancouver and the southern half of the province, we are looking at the return for snow, and I'll have more on that in the timing, especially for the mountain passes in just a moment. A beautiful shot of the mountains this evening. Fantastic uh, temperatures right now, sitting at 6 out of the airport. A southwesterly wind. It's light out there at 7 kilometres per hour. Highs today up to 7 degrees. We're still below the average that sits at 10, and a record on the Almanac 15 set back in 2005. Now, here's the satellite and radar. We do have a bit of moisture already pushing in across the island but it is going to intensify by the morning late morning to afternoon right across the south coast in metro vancouver the following areas warnings in place white is where we're seeing snow and purple is for the wind north coast an additional 15 and up to 25 centimeters central half of the province 10 and up to 20 centimeters the central coast inland areas 10 and up to 15 centimeters and the wind warning it is going to pick up this evening and continue for the morning along the central coast with a southeasterly wind up to 90 kilometers per hour. If you're traveling along the Pine Pass, we are going to see 10 and up to 20 centimeters. Snow will intensify and continue through the day on your Monday. And most areas along the interior will see the bulk of the moisture Monday night and towards your Tuesday morning. And that's for the southern half of the province. Once again, the timing, the areas in yellow is where we're actually seeing a very he- a significant amount of rain. Heavy rain will be for areas near Tofino. It'll likely stay as rain for areas along the waterfront 
for Metro Vancouver, but the usual spots, Westwood Plateau, SFU, and then pushing into areas like Maple Ridge and Mission is where we could see that rain mixed with wet snow. By our Tuesday morning, it is going to ease off quite quickly. For the piece tomorrow, gusty winds at times up to 50 kilometers per hour. Whitehorse will see the wind chill drop off overnight tonight, up down to minus 17. Coastal sections will stay as rain, but it's inland 15 and up to 25 centimeters of snow. Caribou and Central Interior, snowfall warning 10 and up to 20 centimeters. Columbia and Kootenai region, the snow will push in by the evening and then change back over to rain for your Tuesday. The tops at Okanagan also seeing the moisture late in the day for tomorrow and then along the mountain passes, it'll be Monday night in towards your Tuesday morning. Whistler will see that rain snow mix, temperatures up to two. And along the island, heavy rain at times for western sections. The southern and eastern sections tomorrow will bump up to six as the high and then a nice clearing on the way by your Tuesday evening. Metro Vancouver, we are going to see rain and then by the afternoon as the temperatures do cool off, we could see rain mixed with wet snow and then on our Tuesday, a clearing will be on the way late in the day towards the evening and then the return for some sunshine will be on our Wednesday. Tonight's weather window, a beautiful shot that was taken in Maple Ridge from John and this is, oh I forgot, I'll, I'll find out the owl name and I'll get back to you. I had it on the tip of my tongue but I forgot, but a great shot. Jordan? Beautiful animal nonetheless. All right, thanks Yvonne. Teams of runners stepping up today, racing up some of Vancouver's tallest towers, all in the name of charity. Fourteen teams laced up to take part in the sixth annual Step Up Challenge, running up seven skyscrapers in support of prostate cancer. That's a total of 387 floors and 5,000 feet. Last year's Step Up Challenge in Vancouver raised more than $100,000. Funds raised will go towards supporting the Vancouver Prostate Cancer Center. What these wonderful folks are doing today is they're climbing stairs as a symbol for what men and their families go through upon diagnosis of prostate cancer. Uh, One in seven men are going to be diagnosed in their lifetime. And it's about awareness. It's about getting tested early. Early detection is key, but it's also raising funds for key best of the best research here in British Columbia and across Canada. It's been a great weekend if you own a bar or restaurant in downtown Vancouver. (laughs) The rugby fans uh, are good for business. I hear they like to drink sometimes. Sometimes, you know. uh, I'll say just they kind of keep certain hours, like say uh, 7 a.m. to 6 (laughs) a.m. So they'll take that hour off just because they want to be able to watch the show. But we got some uh, some big hockey news to start. We're expecting this, but it's good to hear. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, After another deflating loss to Vegas, the Canucks and their fans can at least look forward to the arrival of Quinn Hughes. The Canucks signed their 2018 first-round pick today. He'll arrive in Vancouver on Tuesday and could make his debut as early as Wednesday against the New York Rangers or at least Friday against the Devils. Hughes should be able to jump right in and help that uh, long-suffering Canucks defense, especially on the power play. He's an excellent skater, he's a puck mover, and he has top-end on-ice vision as well. Well, Canada proved this weekend in Vancouver they can play with the Rugby 7 superpowers. Unfortunately, a dreadful start against Samoa yesterday cost them a chance to play for the cup final. But the Canadians were in top form today as they had their sights on winning the Challenge Trophy for the second time in three years at BC Place. They opened their day against Spain, perhaps uh, looking for a little help from above. Canada looks strong. Big lead at the half and they keep the pedal down. Vancouver's Phil Berna 
takes it in for the try 28-7 Canada. And more to come. Matt Mullins finds space on the outside, races in, galloping in for the try. Canada looking very sharp. Third straight win after that opening loss to Samoa. 33-7 over Spain. So they're moving on to the Challenge Trophy semifinals. And in the semis, it's Scotland they're taking on. And look, it's Jason Momoa, Aquaman, in the house. Scots own the first half, led 14-0, but North fans, Harry Jones gets Canada on the board early second half. Solid work by Victoria's Connor Braid to find Jones. And it's 14-7. And then later, it's the same combination. Braid with the hard run and then the uh, quick flip to Jones who takes it in for his second try of the match, 14-14. And then after a defensive stop, Canada pretty much at the death. Isaac Kay takes it in, much to the delight of the roaring Canadian crowd. 19-14 final. Canada on to the Challenge Trophy final. And there they will meet Australia. The crowd very pumped up as Canada's looking for a trophy, but uh, the Aussies are a top four nation. They are up 14-0 until Victoria's Luke McCloskey gets a try back for Canada. 14-7 Aussies at the half, but in the second half, Australia keeps up the pressure. John Porch takes it to the house, I guess. 28-7 Australia. Now Isaac Kay does keep the home team close as uh, he will take it in. One of his two tries uh, in this match. Valiant effort, but Canada falls short in the Challenge Trophy final. 35-21 Australia, but a very respectable weekend by our boys. They should be proud of their effort. All right, NHL tonight. Jets and Capitals could be a Stanley Cup Finals preview. First period, 1-0 Washington, but the Jets tie it. Matthew Perot fires it in the open side, his 12th, and that ties it up 1-1. But in the second, just as the Washington penalty ends, what a pass by Nick Dowd, the former Canucks Springs Carl Hagelin, who beats Connor Hellbuck. 2-1 caps. They add an empty netter. Just final now. 3-1 Washington wins. Meanwhile, Bruins and Penguins. Boston on an amazing streak. No regulation losses in their last 19. 15-0-4 in that span. Second overall in the league with 93 points. First period, though, already 1-0 Pens. Former Canuck Jared McCann in alone. Great move to beat Yaroslav Halak. 15th of the year for McCann, who is fitting in well with Pittsburgh after being traded there from Florida. Second period, Bruins power play. David Krejci gets his 19th. 2-1 now for Pittsburgh, but later on, Sidney Crosby. Great speed on the rush. Fantastic feed for Jake Gensel, who gets his 34th. What a play by Sid. Great finish, too. 3-1 pens in the third as they try to halt Boston's 19-game point streak. Indian Wells tennis, Dennis Shapovalov of Canada taking on American Steve Johnson. Shapovalov trying to join Milos Raonic and Felix Auger-Aliassim in the third round. First set, Dennis with break point. Big, deep forehand sets up the overhead smash. And Shapovalov breaks, takes the opening set, 6-3. Second set, Shapovalov from the baseline, another Huge forehand, paints the line, gets the break, and he goes up 2-1 in the second set. Shapovalov is just so dynamic. This time he will hammer the backhand winner. Dennis rolls into the third round at Indian Wells, 6-3, 6-4 over Steve Johnson. So three Canadian men into the third round. Bianca Andreescu also won. She's into the fourth round on the women's side, but no TV coverage of her match. 
Welcome back. The Raptors are pretty much guaranteed the second seed in the East, but that will make their path to the NBA Finals much tougher if they settle for second. They still have a chance to catch Milwaukee, but Toronto needs to make up three games over the final 16 to have home court advantage throughout the playoffs. Today, they're in Miami taking on a Heat team clinging on to the final playoff spot in the East. Raptors, good road team, 20-12, and 12, and they got off to a good start. They led by 14 at the half, and they came out strong in the third. How about Pascal Siakam's development into a star player this year routinely gets 20 a game he had 20 today Jeremy Lin nice addition at the trade deadline takes it to the basket 91-79 Toronto after three much to the delight of the Raps fans there Toronto hit a season high 21 three-pointers today Kyle Lowry had six of them he had 24 on the day they rested Kawhi Leonard Raptors take it 125-104, now two and a half back of the first place Bucks. Final round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational from Bay Hill in Orlando, Florida. And coming off the pace, Italian Francesco Molinari. He was five back when the day began, won the Open Championship last year. He was lights out at the Ryder Cup, and he makes that birdie at 13 to tie for the lead. And then at 18, Molinari, always uh, one for the dr- drama as he... Uh, Rolls it in, a two-shot victory at the Palmer Invitational thanks to a sizzling 8-under-64. Roger Sloan of Merritt had a nice week, tied for 23rd at minus 4. Adam Hadwin had it to minus 6 but finished triple bogey-bogey and ended up tied for 33rd at minus 2. Briar final from Brandon, a battle of Alberta. Calgary's Kevin Cooey against Edmonton's Brendan Botcher, who got into the field as the wild card entrant. Cooey, a perfect 12-0 this week, entering the game, which was quite defensive. Botcher with a tough shot here to get his one, but can't stick around for shot. 2-0 after the steal of one for Alberta, and that's where they stand right now in the sixth. Complete highlights tonight at 11. So check out some... English Premiership action. Adam Lalana and Liverpool hosting Burnley in a match that was uh, pummeled by driving rain and wind. Also some great goals. Lalana sparks Liverpool as he will help score here. Roberto Firmino finishing off Mo Salah's work. 29th minute. Lalana sliding in to deflect the clearing attempt. Ball bounces to Salah. Sadio Mane makes it 2-1 and then more from the Reds. Salah off and running. Firmino following up. 4-2 the final. Liverpool, they're back to within a point of first place Man City with eight games left to go. Arsenal trying to put an end to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's unbeaten run as Man United's caretaker manager. Ten wins, two draws in EPL action entering this one. But in the 12th, it's a Granite Shaka swooping, swerving shot that uh, the keeper had no idea where that one was going. 1-0, and then in the 69th, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang goes down in the box. Uh, penalty called. That's why they dive when they get the calls. Aubameyang from the spot scores. Arsenal guns down Man United 2-0, puts them back in the fourth, two points ahead of United. First EPL loss for Solskjaer since taking over in December. Stamford Bridge, Chelsea on the outside looking in as far as the top four placings go, hosting Wolverhampton. Blues were down a goal late, but in stoppage time, Eden Hazard from the top of the box ties it, and that's the way it ends. So Chelsea remains sixth, three points back of fourth place Man United, but with a game in hand. And a disturbing scene at an English championship match between Aston Villa and Birmingham. A spectator hopped onto the field and attacked Aston Villa captain Jack Grealish. Sucker punches Grealish from behind. Where is security? The man was arrested. The match and Grealish went on, and he actually scored the game-winning goal, but plenty of fallout to follow after a senseless act of violence. Provincial 4A Boys High School basketball final last night. Lord Tweedsmer out of Surrey taking on Kelowna. 
Tweedsmer had knocked off the number one and three seeds in the tournament, but they fell behind the Owls, who got a basket there from Malcolm Greger in the second half. Kelowna built up the lead to 18. Hunter Simpson with two of his 25 there, but cue the comeback, and they go to Alex Lee, who's had four three-pointers, including this one. Tweedsmer right back in it, and they come all the way back. Great ball movement here. Jackson Cornell finishes it. He led Tweedsmer with 23, and Lord Tweedsmer wins its first-ever 4A title, 91-86 over Kelowna. Arjun Samra named tournament MVP. We always talked about character first. All of them are part of my boys' leadership group at the school called Power One, and they just are inseparable. So when you say why it's so motion, it's just that it's such a great connection. Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Black home with a base of 245. Grouse 237, 315 for Cypress, and Sasquatch 249. 226 is a base for Fernie, 165 for Manning Park, and two new centimeters for Whitewater. Big White and Sun Peaks, one new centimeter. Silver Star with a base of 206. Kicking Horse with a base of 173, Mount Washington, 225, and 260 for Powder King. A special reunion in Vancouver today between a U.S. man whose plane was redirected to Newfoundland on 9-11 and the Canadian family who hosted him. Kevin Turf joining Mac Moss and his wife Nellie for a performance of Come From Away. Turf's plane was one of 38 sent to Gander, Newfoundland on September 11, 2001. Moss, a college administrator, turned his campus into a makeshift shelter for stranded travelers. The generosity of Gander locals like the Mosses inspired the Tony Award-winning Broadway musical Come From Away, which is currently playing in Vancouver. It brings back the emotion of the event. Uh, and uh, for us, it was, it was a very intense thing over six or seven days. They continue to inspire me. What I've really learned is that not, uh, compassion was not just a 9-11 thing in Gander yeah. and in all of Newfoundland. They've adopted a Syrian refugee family. So even today, they're welcoming strangers. So now I'm doing the same. I live in New York City, and I'm helping a refugee and trying to help him get resettled in America. And we wanted to leave you with this tonight. Check this out. During halftime of the Oklahoma-Kansas State basketball game, there were baby races on the court. Some participants more willing than others. Now, it looks like this little guy right here looks like he's going to win, but then he gets distracted. Bit of a shove coming up here. But the early leader, in a moment here, he does manage to crawl to the finish line, presumably his mother, and he wins it all. It's all how you shake the keys, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Kids love the keys. That's what they always use. Now, <laughs> them. now you've seen everything. <laughs> Thanks for watching. That's the News Hour. Hope to see you at 11. Good night. Good night. Good night.